Hello and welcome to the Coaching Roundtable. I am Daniel and I'm joined today by my co-host, Ashley. Hello, everybody. And Isabel. Hello. Excellent. Look at that. So We're so polished. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I can bust out a hello better than anyone. That's exactly right. (laughs) It's a very polished hello. I wish you could, I wish you saw me then because I was actually gesturing to you both with my I'm very I, I use my arms a lot when I talk so it's not really very good for it's the limitations of podcasts you know people can't. I was about to say, pretty pretty useless on radio. Yeah. Maybe we're going yeah. to have to start doing it as a um, YouTube video as well. Oh goodness! Then I'll have to put pants mm-hmm. on. <laughs> <laughs> or a shirt. No. Well, as long as you're sitting down, you can you don't have to wear pants. We don't care. <laughs> The nature of this it's beautiful isn't it <laughs> um, that's exactly right so today's podcast we're talking about the dreaded dnf the did not finish the did not finish yes it can happen to it happens to the best of us yeah uh, well it it happens to everyone in a last one standing race except for the finisher yes who comes first everybody exactly. else did not finish Technically, they come last as well. They come. First. That's that's correct. Yes, technically, yeah. everyone as we comes all last know, but one. Second place is just the first loser. Hey, that's what my wife says to me all the time. <laughs> that's it's what we so, used to say in mountain biking. It's so true, though. No, it's, it's not really. <laughs> if you want to be competitive, yeah, it's a joke. Yeah, if it's you're good. competitive, it is. <clears throat> yeah, and I think um, but the DNF people really um afraid of not finishing a race and. You know, like I learned, I never had a DNF until I think when I was a teenager doing, I did a 10K fun run and I sprained my ankle and um, about three kilometers in and I pulled out. That's sort of the only other DNF I can think of. Because so when you hit it. You haven't DNF since you were a teenager? Yeah. Oh, I feel oh, no, I, no, I have now. So once oh, I started, once I started running ultras, nice. once I started running longer races, absolutely, I DNF'd. <laughs> I um and I find the longer the run, the chance of DNFing it gets bigger and bigger, you know. Yeah. So, yeah. so I thought maybe we could start by um talking about our own experiences with a DNF and um what that was like and how you dealt with it because I think we want to. I think there's two things we want to look at. We want to look at how to try and avoid a DNF, and you know through preparation, which we talked about with mandatory gear and and training and stuff but also if if, it, if if something happens that is beyond your control how do you cope with that the psychology psychology of it and um i read a great article by andy dubois who is from a coach from mile 27 a lot of he's was on my podcast the trail runners experience or, um back early in the day he's a very knowledgeable coach and basically he refers to there's two things. There's two ways to look at DNFs. Um, basically, there's things that are be, uh, within our control and things that are outside of our control. So mm-hmm. unable to complete. So you collapse and have to get taken away in an ambulance. That's beyond your control. Okay. And the other one is you got you ran out of willpower. You sat down at an aid station and you just could not be effed continuing on. And essentially, they're the um, and, and I think everything can sort of fall into those categories, unless you guys have another category. No, um, I, I, sorry, Izzy. 
Go. Um, I've heard of DNF being um, standing for did nothing foolish. Yes. Yes. I think is sometimes sometimes we push our bodies too far, and sometimes it's better to pull the pin and save it for another day. Yes. Yeah. And sorry, what were you going to say, Ash? So I was going to go through my three DNFs. Good. So my first DNF was actually uh, not in a trail run, but in an Ironman triathlon. And I had a DNF in that event because I got hit by a car on the bike. Yep. Um, during the race. So I actually did. Control, which is, um, that was definitely outside my control. Yes. And it involved uh, sliding along the tarmac a long, long way as I completely, I hit the side of the car and went clean Superman over the roof um, because I remember it vividly and then uh, rolled out the other side and skidded along the tarmac. Then um, I've had a a DNF in an ultra. uh, I pulled out at 64K. It was an 82K race. And I pulled out at 64K because I wasn't feeling great and I had to go to work the next day. And um, it was that decision of do nothing foolish. You want to be able to train again next week. And it was basically I could have continued, but it would have been bad, the, yeah. the end result. I would have, you know, I would have finished, but I wouldn't have been able to continue training, et cetera. And then the last one was in the last one standing, which that's the nature of the race. That's really a DNF, but yeah. 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 Yes. Interesting. That's really interesting. So you you basically took one. You had one from each of the two the categories that we talked about. You know, one yes. was within your control, one was out of your control. Interesting. Yeah, yeah. We'll come we'll we'll come back and we'll talk about the psychology of them a bit. Isabel, what about you? Oh, well, I've had numerous DNFs to be honest, and but I'll talk about just a couple of them. My first hundred miler, I DNF due to um injury my hamstrings just packed it in and I just I only did about 40k or so and it was just the right thing to do like because I would have just injured myself so badly even if I'd just done another 40k so that was my first miler attempt um I did a race in Canada it was a miler as well and I'd done milers since you know before this one but for some reason nutrition did not go well for me I ate some food from the aid station and that was it and I was so sick and um, just got so depleted that I ended up pulling out because I knew, A, I was feeling so bad and I was going, it was night and um, we were going up to the highest point of the course, which was very cold and dark. And in my not quite with it stage, because I hadn't been eating, I'd forgotten all my cold weather clothes. And I just thought, I'm putting myself at risk and then someone's going to have to rescue me. So I pulled out. Yeah, um, yeah that's where you're putting other people at risk. You know, it could, because it's yeah. not just about me. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, and I had a lot of other things going on in my life. You know, at the time, my mum had just died like a few weeks before and I'd been flying back and forth from Canada to Australia. So there was all that involved as well. Um, and then um, my another DNF, the first time I did GSCR, I actually DNF that. But yep. that was because I'd done a 24-hour track race like six weeks before where I'd absolutely rinsed myself and yep. I just hadn't recovered. I thought I had, but it wasn't even – Physically, I hadn't recovered, but also mentally. I think to be able to push yourself to those limits, you have to be fully mentally recovered. And I totally wasn't. I just uh, that was when I couldn't be effed. I just lost the will to continue, and I just I just couldn't force myself to hurt myself again. Yeah. So I just pulled out. Yeah, interesting. 
Mm. Okay. So I'll, I'll go next. I'll just talk about maybe uh, one or two. Um, so the first time I DNF'd from a big race, like other than the example I used before, but I, so when I entered the, um, the Heisen 105 here for the first time here in South Australia, um, I, was, I was still a bit of a rookie to ultra running. It was only a, I'd only ever run like a 56 kilometer ultra, and that was the Urabilla ultra, and it was only five weeks before. And someone convinced me, and this is the thing, I didn't have control. Mm-hmm. Someone said, "Oh, you should do the hundred. You should, you'll be fine. If you can do yeah. that, you can do this." And I'm, and I'm like, but it seems like a long, a much further race. It's like I'm just, I'm no mathematician, but it's like 40 odd kilometers further. And um, and so of course, and it was later in the year, and I got got into it full of uh, confidence and it turned out it was quite a hot day it hit the low 30s and I was running through and the anyone who's done the heist and you know lots of farmland it was very dry very open very open and I got to about uh, going through a really exposed section of farmland uh, where it's about 20 kilometres between aid stations, and I ran out of water. I didn't, hadn't filled my, my pack up properly. This is a mandatory gear mistake, and I thought I had more water in my pack than I did. Mm. And I had, I had about, I had over 10 kilometres in the middle of the race on a hot day where I had no water, and yeah. and there was no one around. And and I, I think it really made me suffer mentally more than physically. Like physically, it was bad because I was so thirsty. And um, when I finally got to the aid station, um, I, it took me a very long time. My wife saw me stumbling, going going left and right, you know, way, com- coming down this, this little country road and just wobbling everywhere. And, and I sat down and I drank and drank and then I had like a long break. And and then I thought, right, I'm going to get up and keep going. I was, And then I'd, I filled up everything. I went another five kilometres, sat down on the side of the trail and said, I am done. <laughs> and even even though I had water now, I I I had I think I'd already made a mental decision long before to give up. And so this was probably one that was probably did nothing fatal or nothing foolish. Um, and so I, and I was really hard on myself. But you know, at the end of the day, I didn't make that same mistake again in terms of running out of water. I've never run out yeah. of water since. And yeah. so, uh, but yeah, so that's probably the biggest. Um, and I think it was probably the safest bet for me in the end, even though um, I was very disappointed. So yeah, so that's that's probably my biggest one that I did. And then the fo- I came back a year later and did it, and then I've done it a number of times since then. So yeah, so it's interesting. I, I think um, there's a few ways we can look at DNF. You know how I think it requires when you. I know when I've and I've DNF a few other races over the years. I always have a real strong, big post-run analysis when I do a DNF. I don't know if you guys... Yeah, definitely. Yeah. yeah. And um, how about you, Ash? Oh, yeah. Like... Except for the... It's, definitely, it's definitely... Look, the fact is, a DNF, it's going to be part... It's, it's. I don't know of too many ultra runners who have run a number of ultras who haven't DNF'd. Yep. It's just, just part and parcel. The fact is... An ultra run is a blink and long way, and eventually some mistake or accident or 
error beyond your control is going to occur that prevents you from completing the race in the time limit that is available to you. And so it's just part yeah. and parcel of it. It does not, however, make it mentally less taxing because you do feel, oh, well, I buggered that up. However that was, whether that was your fault or not your fault, you feel like you buggered it up. And that can mentally be difficult to get past for quite some time. Yeah, absolutely. Um, in the article that I have read by Andy Dubois, is the, um, a few of the, he, he actually talks about having a DNF um, plan going into a race. So yeah, even writing it down, and if you've got a support crew, give it to them and say, these are the only reasons I will DNF. Yes, I yeah. agree. And and before my second GSER, yeah. I, I told my crew, unless I'm, I've, like, bleeding's not enough, there's got to be, like, a bone sticking out kind of thing um, for me to be DNFing this time. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, so Dubois, he lists your health. Number one, your health is at risk. Very legitimate. So if it's a... Yeah. If it's a health issue, you want to live yep. to run another day. Very legitimate, yep. Number two, if you are so far back that you're missing the cutoffs, okay, so that's sort of beyond your control. That's if beyond your control, yeah. Well, I mean, it is beyond your control, but for me personally, I'd still be waiting for the sweep to catch me. I would yeah. be too, because there's always hope. Yeah, that's However, correct. Exactly, and that might be an indicator. I mean, if you're a back of the packer, that's fine, but there, there does come a point where the sweep is there for a reason. You know, so you might need to, if you think yeah, you can but train you, better. You might be able to still sort of, you know, you might still be able to. Yeah. Um, the, the other, oh, so the other thing, number three, he lists suffering an injury, which we just yeah. talked about, Isabel. Um, yeah. So something that's going to jeopardise your training and racing for the, for the foreseeable future. Um, and this is one that I've used. Uh, the race is going to take much longer than I expected. So you're not having a fantastic day and you go and then you realize that your target time is way out but and so you think I can't be bothered finishing I've done With that before a bit of the camp yes you know like it's like meh. yeah you probably could continue but really could you be bothered could that's you be, what you're talking about exactly like you're in no danger of missing cutoffs there's nothing yeah. wrong other than you're very tired like everyone yeah <laughs> So it's having a moment. <laughs> some people would call it being soft. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't say that. No, no. It me thinking. But you, and I think it's important to learn from all of these experiences, obviously. Um, you know you, can I just butt in for a second? You know how you spoke yeah. about, you know, you have a, you really go over your race when you DNF'd and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. In saying that, I think it's also really important to also go over your good races because there's a lot to learn from those too. Yeah. Don't just only think, oh, I only go over a race when it's when it was negative and it was bad. There's a lot to be learned from the good races too, and they can be used to as backup for when you feel like having feel like DNFing <clears throat> and you go, Okay, so I remember when I did do that other race, this is what happened. I got through some tough moments when I felt bad, but I kept persisting. I'm gonna do that again. Yeah. Absolutely. You know, so so go over your good races too. I just wanted to say that so that it wasn't always we don't just forget about our good races. No, I absolutely agree. I've just got one more point that I'll raise and I'll throw open the doors to both of you again. The fifth thing that Andy talked about was not having fun anymore. So I don't know if you the weather's crap. 
thing is, uh, not really, like I can't say that a lot of my races are fun while I'm doing them. Yeah. If I pulled out every time a race wasn't fun. <laughs> You'd finish no races. Uh, I wouldn't have finished anything. In fact, I yeah. probably wouldn't have started much. But there's fun within every race and there's boredom within every there's race. There's fun moments and there's boredom moments and there's moments I absolutely hate it and moments I go, what am I doing? Why am I doing this again to myself? Mm. Yeah. But if I pulled up, like, you know, so I don't think you can – I think not having fun – I don't think we – I don't know many people who do ultra running for fun per se. They don't, you don't know them doing it for fun. Mm. Per se. Like, yeah. I don't go, woohoo, 100 miler, this is going to be so much fun. I can't wait to get started on the fun. Yeah, fair enough. I That's... mean, is that how you see a 100 miler? I go, I can't wait for the challenge and it's going to be yeah. tough, but I'm going to do it. But I wouldn't say it's fun. No, there's a, there's certain elements that are um, And I have fun, fun. in moments. Yeah, but I, I wouldn't I wouldn't do it just for the fun because there's not enough of fun moments. So why there's challenge and there's overcoming and there's um, awesome moments, but yeah, not fun. Interesting. That's where you, yeah. that's where you've got to have your reason for doing. Yeah, I was just going to say, and it's got to be a very strong reason. Well, and see, and now here can I say? Sorry, I feel like I'm. No, taking, go, 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 um, go, Isabel. I was talking about this with a client the other day because she was saying. She feels like she doesn't have a why. And I said to her, I often feel like I don't have a why. And why shouldn't your why be that you just want to challenge yourself? It doesn't have to be this big, huge why. Uh, exactly. I really, a lot of the time, don't know why I do this. And people ask me, why do you do this all the time? And I'm like, I don't know why, but I just feel this urge and feel driven to keep doing it. But I don't actually know why. So does that mean... I have less of a reason to race. No, because I still I still feel driven to do it, but I don't have a why. Yeah. And I, I, want I guarantee you do have a why. You just haven't figured out what it is. Yeah, maybe. maybe even even if your why is just I'm just exploring. Yeah. And that, ex and that exploration know. may not be you're exploring the outside world. It may be you're exploring internally. Yeah, probably more that. But yeah, I feel I feel like a lot of people feel they should have this definitive why, but I don't want anyone to feel bad that they don't because I think there's a lot of people who don't have a definitive one. No, it's interesting. Um, I wanted to get I want to get into the psychology of it in a, in a little bit, not too deep, but there's a few things that I thought about, um, and because the three of us are all qualified teachers, so yes. this is something that you'll this will um, probably resonate with you, and but I, so it's fairly simple to explain. And that is the, the Abraham Maslow's hierarchy of needs. Yep. You, guys, you remember that? Um, that yeah, guy, all too well, yes. So <laughs> I'll just go through it. So is it a psychological, just so for the listeners if they are not aware, so it's a, it's, it's a psychologist. Basically, it's a, he developed this, like, this pyramid. You probably have people have seen in different um, Oh, it's been contexts. adapted so much now. It has. For different things, yeah. Just the real basic, basic part of, of defining why, when you were mentioning that, um, if it's a pyramid, if if the hierarchy of needs is a pyramid, the base is your psychological need or physiological needs, like food, water, um, staying warm, dry, whatever. Okay. And that this applies to any situation, but we're applying it to running. Then the next thing is safety. You know, are you safe? Okay, snakes, whatever. The next part is belonging, 
you know, I guess you're part of a community, um, part of a family of sorts, or part of a race. That's a, a the belonging. This esteem, like self-esteem. So is the next. We're going up the pyramid here. So this is where you, like, you basically they're saying you can't satisfy the next level of the pyramid until you've satisfied the level beneath it. Does that make sense? So then we get to, so all those things. You know, you might go, yep, yep, all good. And then we get the self-esteem. Do we, some of it, I get, I, I find running gives me self-esteem, a great sense of self-esteem, you know, like, and then the confidence. And then the very top thing on the pyramid is what they call self-actualization. And that's, that's where we achieve our why for life. And so I guess it applies like that, you know. Does that make any sense? Or am I just to sound like it's rambling, the ramblings of a madman? <laughs> well, we know you're mad, but you know that's yes. Um, yeah. but can, can you just bring that back around and relate that to how that is applicable to a DNF? So yeah, so when I think when we we are, I think what the way I'm thinking, running an ultra is basically looking at the very top of that pyramid. That's and it's self-actualization, which is that achieving your individual potential. Okay, and so if you get to the top. It's like, I guess it is all the training that you put in for, year, for years or months or whatever to get to an ultra, you know, and then you don't get that final, like, put a nice bow in it and get and finish and cross the finish line and finish it. You're not, I think there's that disappointment that you you haven't achieved your potential. Does that make sense, Ashley? Yes. Yeah. So I think, because I remember my first DNF, the one I mentioned about with, when I ran out of water, it crushed me, and I let it crush me like an idiot. And I, yeah. and I don't, I wouldn't now, because now if I don't, if I DNF a race, almost for whatever reason, I just shrug my shoulders and go, well, it's done now. I can't do, yeah. it, I can't change the past. Yeah. And and that's helped me. I mean, some people have taken so so personally. Yes, I I noticed that. Yeah. Yeah, like, and I and I just it keeps I keep coming back to this pyramid. You know, like of your needs. And it's just something that I have thought about a few times with when around DNFs. And so if we're not achieving our potential, and I think because we all it is the why is you just enjoy challenging yourself, like you said, Isabel. Yeah. You know, what if but if that challenge if you don't meet that challenge, are you less of a person? Mm, good point. Yeah. But of course, no, I know I'm not. Yeah. I mean, like I know I'm not, but you feel like you are less of a yeah. person, but but ultimately you're not. But I I, I get what you're saying. But yeah, certainly like, for myself, I've learned to live with them a lot better. I used to yeah beat myself up, but now I'm I'm okay with it all. I think that um people who I always say to my my runners that just you just getting to that start line is such an yeah. achievement. You exactly. Know? And and I I feel like I get my self actualization from a cons- consistent blocks of training you know if i've come through like a, i mean lately i haven't because of i mean various circumstances but um i i feel like if i am um training really consistently that's more i get more out of that than a race do you know what i mean so so yeah what are your thoughts ashley look i, I think that finishing an ultra is the icing on the cake yeah and but you have to have had, you have to have made the cake first. If you just rock up 
and you haven't made the cake and all you want is the icing and that's all you want yes. to eat. Well, that's not really good for you and you don't really get anything out of it apart from a slightly sweet taste in your mouth. Whereas, really you know, if you want the whole cake, it's, it is about the whole journey of the training and working out the equipment and getting the blisters and, you know, the hard days out. Um, I'm just thinking of, of running this afternoon and it's just like, this afternoon is going to be mentally a little bit difficult for me. It's just the way my day's panned out, um, you yeah. know, and it's like, oh, what tricks will I use to get around? And it's it's that sort of thing. So that's building, you know, the cake that then you put the icing on. And a cake still tastes good without the icing. Mm. Um, so it's – and the fact is you 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 got most of it there – you know what you need to do if you're going to do it again a second time. The worst thing to do is afterwards chucking in the towel and going, oh, well, I'm just never going to be able to do that. The fact is you are. Yeah. Stuff goes wrong, even if that stuff that goes wrong is a mistake that you made, like not picking up an extra bottle or, you know, not taking enough water on a particular loop. It's very hard to come back from dehydration. Yeah. Um, incredibly yeah. hard actually so yeah unless it's a really really long race where you've got time for your body to actually rehydrate you, yeah. you're going to get caught up in stuff and those are very valuable lessons to learn and go through you know the next time you go yeah. i think in a lot of ways what you need to, if you have a dnf and you don't have a coach you really need to speak to somebody else who has had experience running. Otherwise, yeah. you need to chat to your coach because that's what your coach is there for. Yeah. You know, the, the fact is these days everyone can look up a prescription training program on the internet, download it, follow the plan. But the real value in having a coach is in stuff like this where you have a DNF and you can actually call your coach and have a chat and go through – what went right, what went wrong, and how you would change that for the next time. Uh, that's where the true value of coaches comes in, is that ability to chat to them. And it's not that I wanted to go into that as such yeah. in this conversation, but, but that is what you pay a coach for. And that's yeah. why... Is to be the know, voice of reason. And yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You don't get that voice of reason, et cetera, out of a book or out no. of a YouTube video or, or someone who's um, like plan. a partner who is going to be more, um, like it's it's different talking about it with partner if you ask me. Yeah, it's you're talking like, about partner is in a, a loving partner, not a yes, running partner. Yes, yes. Because they'll go, yeah. oh, oh, you poor thing, oh, must have been horrible and terrible, and so then you just focus on all the horrible, terrible things. Geez, well, well that's different that, to my partner. She will tell me it's straight. <laughs> you're an idiot. Yeah, that's or you, you get that. Like that. Well, you're yeah. just an idiot for doing that kind of race anyway, So, and that's not helpful either. Whereas no. a, a coach will be looking more for the things that is going to help you for the future and will help you see the benefits of what you've done and the training that's money in the bank and the, and the value that was gotten out of the um, DNF because there is always some hidden value, even if you can't see it to start with. Like the one where I stuffed up my food and nutrition – Ever since that race where I DNF that, I've had such awesome nutrition um, for yeah. all my other races, and it has gone so well. And it's been well. 
I'd always been a little bit dodged with my nutrition. I, always, I get kind of, I've got a very sensitive stomach, but I've nailed it now to touch yeah. wood. And, um, <clears throat> but if I hadn't had that DNF to give me the kick up the butt to focus on that, then I'd still be fussing around with it. Exactly. So, yeah, I learned, I learned too that I need to make sure that if I'm running an ultra, I need to, to have planned a number of days off afterwards so that I can't pull that as an excuse. Yeah. Yes. You know, exactly. that I've got to turn up to work the next – I've got to turn up to yeah. work the next morning at 5 a.m. to coach my clients. Uh, I can't, you know, finish yeah. the race today because of that. I've, I've, I'd all, I changed it after that where I went, well, actually, I'm not going to go to work till Wednesday because I worked extra somewhere else and I've got flexi time. Yeah. I think um, there's the biggest mistake a person can make, and this is just not for running, but basically if you don't learn from your mistakes is a mistake in itself, you know, like. Oh, so absolutely. That, that, that's the main, the biggest mistake a runner can make. So, yeah. Um, yeah, I agree with Isabel's statement earlier. You learn from your successes, absolutely. I do think, though, that you learn not necessarily more, but more acutely or more rapidly from your mistakes. Oh, yeah. I mean, I agree that you do learn more from your mistakes. I just don't want people to only focus on that. Yes. Yeah. Uh, absolutely. No, um, that's that's really interesting. I was uh, going to circle back around to something that we said earlier, but it slipped my mind now. So if someone else wants to jump in and add anything, you know. I, I do want to add some stuff here. Um, yeah. And we've discussed in previous podcasts, and that's equipment. Look, yes. DNFs, in ultras, DNFs occur due to equipment failures. Quite often. Well, like they, me getting my cold weather gear. Like I probably oh, yeah, that's a big one. my sorry ass up the hill if I'd had all my gear. But I was in a T-shirt and it was snowing up the top. I'd forgotten <laughs> my long sleeve top, my jacket, my gloves. Like seriously, there is no way I could have done it without my gear. So... <clears throat> It's not just if it breaks down, it's if, you know, yeah. Yeah, if you don't if you don't have it with you. Yeah, I mean, that's a perfect of, example from our discussion last week of Yeah, um, well, I was going to say, see, in Canada, they don't have a um, mandatory kit. If, I'd had, yeah, if I was in, in US, Australia, yeah. yeah, and I'd have had my mandatory kit, I'd have had it with me regardless. But because it wasn't mandatory, I thought I'll save on weight and won't carry it for the warmer bits. But, yeah, that came it's, back to It's me. interesting, isn't it? Because the reason we have mandatory kit in <laughs> Australia is because we can't sign away our um, legal rights, whereas in the US you can sign it away, which you do with a waiver. Uh, <clears throat> yeah, because I know waivers don't really work here, do they? For no, they don't, they don't mean squat here legally. <clears throat> so they do over there, do they? They do, yes. Okay. Different, different legal system. And that's why, mm. you know, we have that, because the race directors want to make sure that you are going to survive. Um here in Australia, and they, they, you can... Which, which is not, nice to know. That they it can. is nice to know that they want you to survive. But, yeah, equipment failures, you've definitely... You've got to do everything you can to minimise the risk of having a DNF. At the end yeah. of the day, after you've spent... I mean, some of the race entries are 1500 bucks. Um, yeah, yeah. You know, if you spent that much money on a race entry, you really want to have gone through with a fine-tooth comb and checked and used every bit of gear running, checked your nutrition, double-checked it, gone yeah. through it in training, get rid of every single possible thing that could go wrong so that that is the least likely or you know, the chances of that happening to cause your DNF 
is significantly minimised. That, yeah. That's just how I see it. I just yeah. look. At, I, I always, I always <laughs> look at the fact is ultra running. I can go and run 80k's this afternoon. Not that I'm about to, and it doesn't cost me any money to enter a race. I can just go and run it. So when I start paying money for something, I want to make sure that I minimise the risk of me not finishing that race. Yeah. Because, you know, that's what I'm out there for. Having said that, I also liked running 65, 64Ks and then pulling out because I really had a great time. I just knew that I had to pull out to be able to turn up to work the next day. So the one that really peeved me, though, was getting hit by a car. That was kind of annoying because that yeah. was a lot well, of The money. ones that you don't have any control over peeve you more. But then yes. the one I felt like I was a bit soft, that peeves me too. But, you know. Yeah. Whatever. But that makes you hardened. It, it does, it, it, and because like then yeah. for my second GCR, I was like, there is no way I'm pulling out for anything other than, you know, but which has ended with me still being a little bit injured since then. But yeah. Yes. Um, <laughs> but it, it depends how much you value your um that particular race. Like, is that the, is it going to be the race of your life? Like, um. Well, to me, you... I valued it highly at the time, um, and yeah. I still do, as yeah. I wanted. It was a monkey on my back, you know. Yeah. Oh, look, I've been there, and I think. That's a, a definitely a lesson you can get from a DNF is get more determined to come back and kick that yeah. race's ass, you know. Like um, we, I've done that, and uh, it, it feels good when you actually do get that revenge and you come and you cross that finish line. Um, one of the strategies I use with people is when I say to a person, okay, we're doing this race, they're, they're doing a particular race, and go, so what are your goals for the race? And they go, oh, I'd like to do it in under this time or this time, and I'm like, that's good. But when people go to me, oh, I just want to finish, I, I don't actually let them have that as one of their – they can have it as a goal in the back of their mind but I get – because I get them to often write down their goals. Um, and so – but I make it that finishing – make finishing almost an assumption. So, like, don't yeah, – yeah. you know, don't allow that little bit of negativity, oh, well, you know, because if you go, okay, I'm aiming for 15 hours um, – and if that doesn't happen, I'll get a lane for 17 hours, you know. So, um, you know, you're constantly finish. You're not thinking, oh, no, I'm not, I might not finish. You're thinking, oh, I might not finish before 17 hours, which is still, you know what I mean? Like, so th- at the end of the day, I don't, the more you start thinking about not finishing, it's almost like that's what you're heading Create it. Yeah. You're creating, you don't want to create like your own narrative where, you don't finish and i've uh, i've seen people get in and that's part of getting into that negative headspace in a race and that's that that just give up and you know mentality and because you never in an ultra of most distances it's all relative to where you're at you the compulsion the compulsion to stop gets stronger and stronger as the race goes on you oh, know definitely. like you know like it is just a case of how, who can keep going at a reasonable pace the longest is usually the winner <laughs> you know like um, you know it's definitely yeah yeah so i think um you don't you don't want to allow yourself it's sort of like the mountain climber doesn't stand at the bottom of a mountain and go gee i hope i make it to the top <laughs> they, they they change their language and go when i get to the top i'm gonna mm. put i'm gonna stick the flag in and then and then take a selfie you know or whatever <laughs> you know like Whereas 
it's the same kind of thing. You want to go, okay, when I finish, when I cross that line, mm. you know, and so I think because I'm, I am a big believer in the in that positive language that you speak, you know, to and that's that positive self-talk that you have during the race because you spend a lot of time in your own brain, you know, like we all, we're, we're all sort of thoughts float around. I don't know about everybody else, but I, I basically – I process all in a long race. I will process stuff that's happening in the race, but I'm also processing stuff that's just going on in my life. You know, I, I, I don't know, like that. What that's basically what I think about. I think about race logistics. Okay. So what am I going to eat now when I need to go to the toilet? I need to have a drink, blah, blah, blah. That takes up probably 50% of my thinking time. And the other 50% is me just thinking about my family, about my life. And, and so but I'm really trying to be very careful about not going into a negative headspace. Like, so what do you guys think about that whole negativity, positivity thing? Well, I think, you know, it's at some point you are going to get negative thoughts. It's just learning not to buy into it. Yeah. In I agree with that. I, I actually, I have a, a number of things I'd love to discuss there about avoiding a DNF. Yes. The first one that I wanted to talk about is crew, if you're getting crewed. Um, in a lot more races now, uh, you know, you have crew and you have paces, et cetera. I've, I've honestly never had a negative pacer, but you can have a negative crew and you have to be very good at selecting who you have crew you. Yeah. From the point of view that if you pick, for example, family, to crew you, they might pull you out of or try to talk you out of continuing earlier than somebody else would because yes. for them personally, they don't want to see you hurting. And the fact is you're going yes. to be hurting. Right, yeah. yeah. So yeah. they have their own – it's not a selfish reason. They, they love you to bits, and for those loving reasons, they don't want to see you in pain which is one of the reasons that um, I've had my dad crew me uh, in some races and he was good. But in other races, you know, he'd go, oh, you're getting really close to the edge. And I'm going, no, I'm nowhere, nowhere near the edge yet. And, you know, as, um, as I've become more ill, he's more erring on the side of, of caution, course. which makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Whereas in the earlier races that I did, you know, caution was kind of thrown to the wind because I wasn't, you know, dead yeah. yet. Um, so, yeah, be very careful about who you pick to crew you. The other one is I personally love using food rewards to get me to the next point. Yeah, yeah. For example, yeah. I, don't allow, I don't allow myself to drink Coke until I am 90% or 80% into okay. the race. I, because I really... I don't drink Coke, like, I think in the last, like, three or four okay. years, I've probably drunk a litre of Coke. Um, yeah, I only drink Coke when I race. <clears throat> yeah. yeah. And I really look forward to it during a race, but I can't mm. stomach it when I'm not racing. Um, yeah. So I really look forward to it. And the other thing that I look I look forward to, you know, eating ginger partway through the race. I'm a bit crazy, but, you yeah. know. So I have, and I have, like, gels or different flavoured drinks that I prefer to drink that particular flavour. For example, my favourite flavour is grape, so I save that till later in the race and I start with orange, which I hate. 
So, you know, that's just, that works for me. Then the next one is, unless the sweep has picked you up, you have time to sleep. Even if that sleep is a couple of minutes long, you have time to sleep. Or at least sit down and rest. Mm. But actually getting a little bit of sleep re-energizes. And then the Mm. other one is music. Yeah. 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 Music. Into the mus- to music until way later in a race. Yeah. 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 I love to chat to people at the start of the race. Yeah. Um, I, I have, I honestly do find that if I suddenly start speaking to someone who's talking negatively, <laughs> yeah, no, I, either, I either drop behind them or go ahead of them. I yeah. don't stay and chat to them. No. Um, if I was their coach, it would be a totally different matter. I would stay and chat to them as a coach. But as an athlete running beside them, I avoid the negative people. Um, because they're just having a negative moment, and I don't want to absorb that negative moment. Yeah, it can really and, be you know, quite powerful. Ages. Yeah. So I think that those are all things to do. And the other one is you need to stay on top of stuff like sunburn cream. Put it on too early rather than too late. Um, and, you know, squirrels, nut butter, or, or whatever lubricants you use, you're better off putting that stuff on too early rather than too late. So... Yeah, that, that that would be my big tips there. Very good. Yeah, no, that's um, that's pretty good. I I can't really fault any of that. I I, no, I totally agree with with all of that. That sounds pretty much like how I do it too. Um, Isabel, I have a question for you. So, yeah. so people who haven't listened to this podcast before, so Isabel has run, has been a participant in the Barclay Marathon. Yeah. And you were due to go over this year, but of course this thing, this virus thing came up. It was just a little bit of an inconvenience for everybody. Um, so it wasn't on this year, and you were due to go back. But so yeah. what I want to, um, so when you did it the first time, you obviously like like most people, you DNF that race. Yes, year. yes, yeah. And so wh- how were you disappointed? Like describe how that well, felt. Um, like I knew pretty early on that I was going to not finish, right? Yeah. And I just saw it as, well, I'm going to learn the course for when I come back next time. Yep. That's right. how I talked about it to myself. It's like, all right, I'm not going to finish in time, but I'm not going to waste this. Yeah. And I will learn the course, and um, therefore I'll be better placed to do better when I come back next time. Yeah, excellent. Well, the fact um, is you put in a lot of time, effort, and money to get there. That's yeah. right. Le- learning, yep. it makes a lot of sense. Yeah. So that's what I was going to say. In the six months leading up to that race, yep. how, how many kilometres do you estimate that you ran? Just oh, r- rough, roughly. I would not even have a clue. I was probably doing, you know, 130 kilometre weeks and that sort of stuff. Yeah. On so a fairly you- regular basis, although it would depend on how much vert I did because the more vert I did, the less kilometres, obviously, because yeah. it's slower. Right. But, you know, I was working and fitting it in, although I didn't – there were a few different issues going on for me at the time, so my training was not the best. Yeah. 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 No, I was just – because, I mean, like, I, I'm i just trying to – what I'm tr- trying to capture for um, is sort of like you put all that work in, you essentially would have run thousands of kilometres in yeah. the previous few months – probably tens of li- tens of thousands of lifetime miles, you know, like to really get you to a point where you could 
be competitive enough to be chosen to run in that race. So like massive accomplishment after massive accomplishment, then you get to what is essentially known as the pinnacle of ultra running. And it didn't go how you probably would have liked. And would you, I mean, what I'm trying to get at, I yeah. would not see that as a failure. And and did you see that as a failure? No, I did not see it as a failure. Yeah. No. Because Me. I was, I was still, I couldn't believe that I'd even gotten in. To me, getting in was like, you know, just so amazing. And um, and I also know that it's it's well known that, you know, most people don't do well at Barclay for their first first second or even sometimes third time. Um, yeah. That it takes that many times to get good at it. So I just looked at it as a learning experience. Yeah. I mean, I went into it planning to do better than that, obviously, because you have to do that. But I was also realistic enough that when it when it all went pear-shaped that I knew that this was not unprecedented yeah. and not unheard of and that it would be okay and see it as a learning experience and move on. Because And, and do you know what? Too many people beat themselves up when they DNF and, oh, I'm hopeless exactly. and I'm useless and I'm pathetic and I'm just, why am I even bothering running? Um, do you know what? Sometimes it's just not your day. And yeah. with ultra running, we only – because we our races are so long, you can't race that many times a year. And sometimes a bad day just happens to fall on race day. And it doesn't make you a bad person or hopeless or useless or anything. It just means you had a bad day. And everybody yeah. has a bad day here and there, and there's absolutely nothing wrong with it. And so you didn't finish your race. I mean, as important as I think running is, it's still at the end of the day, it is just running and it is just a race. And you're not, you know, it's not life or death out there. There, You need to look at it as you do this for enjoyment and self-satisfaction and self-challenge. So why would you – and you, if a friend DNF, would you say the horrible things to your friend that you say to yourself? Yeah. You wouldn't say it. You would never say that to somebody else, ever, and yet you say it to yourself. So I think we all need to learn to, to be a little kinder to ourselves and not beat ourselves up about DNFing, and I hope part of what this podcast will let people see is that we all DNF, everybody DNFs, and, yeah. you know, there's nothing wrong with it. Analyse it, sure. Learn from it, sure. But don't take your worth of, as a person from it. You know, yeah. I... I, I... I can't think of a, an ultra runner that I know yeah. who's run more than 10 races who hasn't DNF'd. Yeah. Or even less than 10. Oh, yeah, I mean, even less than 10, definitely. But, you know, some people get really lucky and they finish like their first four or five without DNFing. Um, but that's that's not how it works. The other thing is, you know, do you know how many – there's 7 billion people in the world, for crying out loud, and yeah. plus – how many of them even have ever run 5Ks, exactly. let alone let alone run beyond 42Ks and then DNF'd and gone, oh, I failed. Failed? What? Are you kidding me? Less yes. than 1% of the world would have ever run that far in a single go. You know, and if you're getting beyond 70Ks and then DNFing, that would be less than 0.001% of the world has ever run exactly. that far in a single go. Yeah. It is not a failure when you compare it to a real perspective. Yes, 
if if all you are on on Facebook groups is ultra running groups, well, guess what? We everyone shows everyone up. There's very there's a this. I was only discussing this the other day. Um, <clears throat> you know, we had our whole Strava episode, and you know, I'll go out and run a 200k week, and you know, look on Strava, and someone's run a 600k week. Yeah. You know, don't compare. It's a long way. Can't compare yourself. Yep. Exactly. No. Yep. Exactly. <clears throat> it's the thief so, of joy. Yeah. The thief of joy comparison. Oh, uh, oh isn't it what? Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, yeah, we're all doing our own things. Like, um, and and running is, I mean, I think ultimately, if you are enjoy getting some le- level of enjoyment out of doing a race, even if you only end up doing half the race or less, you know, that's that's a win. You know, like there's no, you know, there's no, there is no measure. I don't think I think people need to change their measure measure of success than that shiny finishes medal. Look, I do like a good finishes medal. Like mm. there's a lot of there's some a lot of them I've just gone in the draw. There's a few that hold a special place for me and like I do have hanging up. I don't know if you guys have the same sort of thing, but like I um you know, we need to think the the joy is that I worked hard to be and I'm fit as a fiddle. I'm strong. I'm like, you know, I've Hardly any, virtually zero percent body fat, you know. Like, so, I know. Like, well, I'm, I'm, and it's because it's the. And that's, you need, so to, say, that, you need that, to have some of my cancer meds that do the reverse. Oh really? Yeah. Well, that's but what they're not, for. Well, I what do I, it with food and a few drinks. Yeah, but you know what I mean. Like the the there's a lot of measures of success, and I think we need to get that in our mind. Like the fact that you are fit and healthy and or, or fit, um, fit and or healthy. Um, you know, you can. You, I love when I'm out on a, on, a, on a new trail or in a remote spot. You know, and I think my legs took me to this place. You know, yeah. that yeah. a car could a car couldn't get here. You know, I had to run here, and a lot of people wouldn't be able to. It would take ages to walk here, and here I am running. You know, and I had that experience in New Zealand where I'm running across the the these ridge lines and these beautiful mountains and there's snow-covered peaks everywhere. And I'm like, if my race ended right there, I would have been pretty happy. You know what I mean? Like I, I yeah. had, it was a great life experience in and of itself. And so I think that, and we, why do we trail run? If, if, I mean, yes, we all want to run fast. And I'm not saying everyone's a trail runner, but we want to run fast and run strong. But like you can do that on the road. Get out on the trails and have a look around. It's bloody beautiful. Even especially this time of year, it's cold, but it's lovely, you know. So I don't know. Enjoy, in, try and get enjoyment in the sport. If you DNF, you DNF, but don't leave anything up to chance. So, so yeah, I don't know. I feel and like we've covered yeah. a lot. Uh, that's what I was going to say. I think we, that sounds like a good spot to to wrap it up, really. Yeah. yeah. I, look, I think I think that you are right. I'm just going to change your your word joy to value. I think there's value yeah. in it. There's value in DNFing, absolutely. There's value in finishing, absolutely. There's also value in just training and never competing. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, don't um, don't think that DNF devalues you. It does not. You gain value out of everything that you succeed at. And succeeding is starting the race. Yeah. There is also success in finishing it. But if you DNF, there's success in that too. And the success is learning from that experience. Yes. All right. That, anything else to add, 
Isabel, we'll just no. I'm I'm happy with all of that. We can put a pin in this episode I and that put a pin in it there. Yeah, well done. So just very quickly before we run away, so what's on the agenda for you this week in your running, guys? Uh, for me, it is stepping the mileage back up to running every day. So yep. I've been taking a lot of time off. I've just had a few health concerns. I've got three days in hospital next week, um, which will be interesting so um yeah just checking on what's actually been going on but i'm starting to feel better i've also uh not just been running around the road which has been excellent i've, I've actually gone out and run some trails and i've run some com- total non-trails which excellent. uh yeah, that was a lot of fun Good. a lot of fun and isabel what have you got planned for this week anything exciting um well not a lot you know just I've been doing, trying to just focus on doing a fair bit of mileage because of this niggle I've had since GSCR, which was nerve impingement, which means my um my left foot doesn't really push off. It's sort of a flat foot a lot of the time. I'm just trying to retrain, sort of rebuild the neural pathways. So just yeah. by running a lot. Um, so that's just what I'm doing is running a lot. Um, and uh, it's my daughter's birthday this coming weekend, so she's kicked me out of the house. So. Uh-huh. Party. Yeah, yeah, she's at a gathering. Oh. Uh, they don't have parties anymore. They have gatherings. Yeah. Um, I hope I hope this is not a Facebook gathering that's public. No, <laughs> God, no. No, 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 she does. It wouldn't. Well, it's nothing big anyway, as we all know. We're not allowed to. Um, and so I'm heading off to um, down to Torquay to do some running down there. And then, yeah, so just I'm just focusing on, on, on building miles and just getting in lots of running just to get that, try to get that foot working again. Yeah. How about nice. you, Daniel? Oh, look, I, your I, month is going. My month is good. I'm, I'm, um, as I said last week, started the, um, the calendar club, and as we record this, it's the 9th of June. So this morning I ran nine kilometres, and it's finally starting to feel like I'm actually running. If that makes sense, you know, because the runs it's have been actually so worthwhile short. putting on your running clothes. Yeah, and especially this morning because it was so cold. But I'm looking forward to getting into double figures tomorrow. And watch, I mean, last week, I think I ran like 27 kilometers or something in total, but that was sticking to the plan. But this week, I think it steps up significantly, like 70 or 80, and then um, we'll see how I go. But I am starting to really enjoy the uh, process, so it's exciting. Stepping up by one kilometer each day is essentially, if I'm running on the road, which I am a bit, um, it's only adding an extra five or six minutes to to yeah. my run every day but yeah it'll add up but like as i said before my final week is going to be about 190 kilometers which will be my biggest week ever and i uh am looking forward to it so and i, I presume to... you'll try to run most of that on the road because if you go on the trails you'll be out there forever well i actually have a little bit of a plan i'm going to be doing splitting my my runs mm. basically between in the last 10 days i have two very light speed sessions that I've programmed in for myself, um, but that, that are occurring within the longer run. And then I'm going to alternate between road one day trail the next, because I do want to get some elevation in as well. And so, but all very easy. easy Smart planning there. Smart planning. Yeah. So hopefully I come out of it and by July I'll be um, back on track and it's been, I look, I recommend this to anyone who is up for a real challenge. It's 465 kilometre a month. And I'm... How did uh, people get onto um, 
you know, get onto this, this, this uh, council club? Where do they register for it or whatever? Oh, I haven't registered for anything. I just did it. I just heard that I it was I thought it was like some virtual thing that you maybe registered with, no? How about between now and next week I'll look it up because I, I have <laughs> – I haven't actually registered for anything. I'm just doing it all by my under my own steam. But I think if people could um, look, I'll do some research between now and next week, and I'll get back to you. <laughs> Homework. Homework. Love it. Yes. Excellent. And so, uh, in, I guess we'll leave it there. Enjoy your Excellent. running. Enjoy running, whether you're finished or not. <laughs> exactly. And and yeah, right. and be proud of yourself. Yes. All yep. right. All See right, you later. Thanks, guys.